Well, good morning and welcome. And the Lord to be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who calls us to this time and place of time and place of worship. Christ who speaks to us now a word of healing and new beginnings. It is a joy to be with you, to share in this time of worship, especially those who may be visiting with us. We thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning, and I would remind you of registration pads that we find to our right or left because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship this morning. Helpful as well to be attentive to the ministries as they are before us. Uh, yesterday we shared in the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet. In regard to the food bank, 100 families were served. 157 boxes packed, and 333 people total served. Uh, for the closed closet, there were 91 families and 336 people served. So many thanks to all the volunteers, uh, both from the church and beyond, and from the Magna Vista Beta Club. As we gather, we are also mindful of worship, uh, excuse me, small group opportunities before us. The Defiant Joy study, as we see it in our bulletin, will take place on Wednesday not on Tuesday. Again, that's on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. Uh, also, in two weeks, we'll be hosting the Martinsville Community Care Collaborative, and there's opportunity still to be a volunteer, namely to help the clients we serve that day find their way to one, from one service to another. And then finally, we need some volunteers for the uh, Christmas parade on November 17th, the opportunity there to meet our neighbors by way of handing out hot chocolate. And also, a week from Wednesday will be Halloween. So we will participate with Uptown Merchants uh, as part of the Uptown ha Halloween event. We will be set up at the Church Street entrance. We'll be handing out candy and, and just being good neighbors to about 1,000 children who are expected. So in order to serve that many children, not only do we welcome volunteers, but we need some bags of candy. So I invite you throughout the week or as you gather for worship next Sunday, to bring some bags of candy, and yes, it will find its way to Uptown Halloween from 4 o'clock until 6 o'clock that day. I'm looking forward to being a part of that event. And finally, we welcome and are grateful for the Reed family, Will, Ben, and Michelle. Grateful for them sharing in our time of worship, uh, part of the family of Norma and Jan Reed. So thank you for blessing us in this time of worship, and we prepare to worship God together.
Invite us to stand as we share our call to worship. <clears throat> Gather around, you are welcome here, and you will hear good news. In the world, there are so many discouraging voices. It is the God of encouragement who will speak to you today, the God of Jesus Christ. seated. I invite us to go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. Holy God, your tent is wide enough to provide shelter for all who seek you, food for all our hunger, and healing for all who suffer. Meet us here today and fill us with confidence in your presence we wish to share Jesus' cup and his baptism so the world may become the place and love and justice you desire for all. Shelter us with your light and close us with your heavenly garments. Teach us how we may best serve ourselves and one another on this daring adventure. We share scripture from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, and it is scripture which is in harmony with the bulletin cover as we see that this morning. We're going to hear Jesus' words speaking to us about service, and as we share from Isaiah 53, 
we encounter God's suffering servant. Let us pray. Lord, speak so that we may hear, so that your word is the word that matters above all others. Help us to focus and center on the message you bring to us this day, a message always for our healing and salvation. We give you thanks for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and a judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he makes himself an offering for sin. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul to death. It was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of our Lord. as we share in our children's time. What's a unicorn's name? Rainbow Princess. Okay. Very cool. Very nice. I like that. And I uh, hope you all are well this morning. And you may see that I, I brought something with me that I'd, I'd like to speak with you about. Uh, if you go in my office, you'll see some, <coughs> some artwork and some stuff hanging on the walls. And, and I like it because often it gives me a new glimpse into some of the message that we share from the Bible or some of the material message that is before us as we worship much like these, these stained glass windows. And again, we look around, we see the stained glass windows. And it, different shapes, that's right. And they, they have different scenes from the Bible and 
and we look at those, those beautiful paintings and, and may have some new insight or, or new experience with scripture. Well, as you can see, I've got this, it's one painting, but it has a number of different scenes, doesn't it? It has, everyone agree, has six different pictures. And, and do you, what, can, what do you see in these six different pictures? Okay. See a person in this one? Okay. Right. Okay. Well, see the ocean. They're, they're different parts of, of creation, aren't they? And it reminds us of the creation story that we read in Genesis chapter 1, that there are six days of creation, and on each of those six days, God created something different, such as the birds of the air, such as man on the last day of creation, man and woman, such as the seas, the stars, the uh, tree, everything, right. And, and we know that we have seven days during the week and, and six days of creation, and, and so that seventh day was a day of Very good, a day of rest, where God said it's good that we rest, and sometimes we don't do that very well, but still that's what God wants us to do, to take some time of rest. So as we look at the beauty of creation, especially at this time of year when we start to see the, the, the leaves changing and temperatures getting colder, we can remember that that's a witness to the God who has made us and the God who has created everything and the God who has created you and me in his own image. So I'm grateful for the word of God that we share as we worship and the word that we experience in the beauty of music and in the fellowship of each person here and grateful for those new ways, whether it be stained glass windows or paintings um, that, that remind us again of the glory of God. So I invite us, especially this time of year, as we see the beauty of God's creation and the changing of the leaves, uh, to know that God loves us so much, he has made us in his image, and he has surrounded us by this beautiful creation that only he can make. And he's made us, and he's made you, and I give thanks to God for that. I'm going to ask us to pray, if you will repeat after me. We thank you, God, that you have made us, that you have made all creation, and it is beautiful for us to see. Help us each day to know you are with us. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, children. We share the gospel lesson from Mark chapter 10, again hearing Jesus speak to us of service and discipleship. Let us hear the word of God. <clears throat> and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not for mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of our Lord. Poor James and John. 
we are so tempted to scold these men, these disciples called by Jesus, tempted to shame them, tempted to shake our fingers at them, so inclined to pride ourselves on the belief that certainly we are more high-minded and we are more sophisticated and we are more enlightened than these simple rubes, James and John. Well, as a member of the clergy of this conference, I know well that James and John, these disciples, are not unique in wanting special favor from Jesus. I know this especially when it comes to the making of pastoral appointments, the assigning of pastors in this conference to churches in this conference. You see, it works like this. Early in this appointment process, a pastor may become aware that a church of great prestige will soon be available for a new pastor, the pastor of that particular church moving on to a new appointment or retiring. So with this prestigious church available, a pastor may decide now is the opportune time to get chummy with his or her district superintendent. Uh, DS, I want you to do for me whatever I ask of you. Grant me to be pastor of prestigious United Methodist Church. And it's true as well, there are even those among us who have been known to call the bishop of the conference, desiring certain favor from the bishop when it comes to the making of appointments. James and John, all of a sudden, aren't so distant from us, are they? This gospel before us, the conversation between James and John and Jesus, a, a conversation unflattering of James and John when it comes to living as disciples of Christ. Regardless, we still find we're not at all distant from James and John. I remember talking with a clergy friend of mine a couple of years ago. Our conversation took place at annual conference, that occasion during which appointments between churches and pastors for the coming year are announced and made official. It's called the fixing of the appointments, in case you were curious. We fix the appointments. Just wanted you to know. So as this friend and I talked, he spoke of his new appointment, the new church to which he was being sent. He wasn't unhappy with this new church. It was a healthy church, a church with strong history and sound leadership, a church active in its community, involved in vital ministries, and my friend even admitted he was receiving a raise in pay as he was going to this new church. Still, as he talked about this church to which he was being sent, I noticed he didn't smile, looked off in the distance, told me what was bothering him despite all this good news about the church. In fact, there were a couple of things bothering him about the new church. One of the things was, well, this church was, was not as well known. The church did not hold the esteem that was held by his previous church. And his feelings aren't alone. We clergy as well as laity know there are certain churches in this conference well-known throughout the conference, churches seen as very desirable appointments, churches which, when named, raise eyebrows. Oh, you're serving that church? Well, according to my friend, he wasn't going to one of these marquee churches. And not only this, he said, the church to which he was being sent was a church of smaller size than his previous church. Again, decrease in size of membership didn't mean decrease in salary. Still, for this friend, this appointment to a church of smaller membership was a matter of consequence, a matter that for him diminished his sense of status, self-esteem, and ego. How far is my friend from James and John? Not that far. But the truth is he's really no further from James and John than the rest of us. No further from the rest of us who would consider ourselves disciples of Jesus. You see, we can't understand our scriptures without trying to grasp what it means to live as disciples. And the Gospel of Mark is especially aware of this. Notice, 
We are this morning in the 10th chapter of this gospel, well past the halfway point. Jesus called his disciples to follow him way back in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Still, this far into his ministry, his disciples having heard his teachings, seen his miracles, witnessed his exorcisms, they still fail to understand what it means to live as disciples of Jesus. So this gospel once more sets before us what it looks like to live as a disciple of Jesus. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Not that easy, is it? Not easy for us to buy into Jesus' definition of what it means to live as disciples. Not easy for us to get it. And no wonder James and John want to skip over that part of Jesus' message and ask instead for places of glory, the prestigious churches. Well, the bishop of the Virginia Conference, Sharma Lewis, is trying to help those of us in this conference claim again what it means to live as disciples of Jesus. At our annual conference in Hampton this past June, the business of conference was set aside one morning so that delegates to conference, both laity and clergy, could engage in service, service projects in Hampton. In addition to this, Bishop Lewis told clergy and laity she expects the churches of this conference within the next couple of years to develop a plan by which members of each church grow as disciples of Christ, telling us there's a difference between membership and discipleship. This initiative of our bishop was repeated at the Danville District Conference yesterday, and again, our bishop sets before us this message at the heart of the ministry of Jesus to live as disciples with no concern to serve self, but to serve others. Still not easy for us to hear after all these years, though we've been in the church many times and we've heard the scripture and we've sung the hymns, we've confessed our sin, we've prayed the prayers, we have passed the peace, still not easy for us to get out of our own way and to live the life of a disciple of someone other than ourselves. I've mentioned more than once the work of the Episcopal priest, Barbara Brown Taylor, and I've done so not only because Taylor is a gifted speaker and writer, but she also tells the truth in ways most of us are hesitant or afraid to do. Taylor is not afraid, like many of us clergy, to discomfort those of us who may have become very comfortable in our faith. Taylor is not afraid to say to us, as she does, the problem is Many of the people in need of saving are in churches. And at least part of what they need saving from is the idea that God sees the world the same way they do. Can we disagree with her? When Jesus speaks to us of denying ourselves and serving others, and being last and taking up the cross, and we say to Jesus, Jesus, we want the front row seats in heaven. Can we disagree with her? Even in conversations of faith within the church, we notice it's difficult for us to adopt an attitude of humility, to put others first, to listen to the views of another, it may be a conversation about the church's views on helping the poor or on immigration 
on gun control, on national defense, or sexuality. And it's not easy for us, even in regard to these conversations, to adopt an attitude of humility, the denial of self, serving our neighbor, listening in love. It's not easy for us to get out of our own way and to make way for Jesus. Instead, we so often find, if we are honest, we find that we read Scripture and discover how amazing it is that God agrees with me. Lord, grant me to sit at your right hand in glory. That's, that's not too much to ask, is it? It's not that easy to live as a disciple, to, to serve and deny and to live humbly. No, not that easy, but it's not impossible. A pastor named Bob Parks a few years ago served as pastor of one of the large, prestigious churches of this conference and in a setting somewhat like ours. An esteemed large church, a church certainly seen as desirable and an enviable appointment to the clergy of this conference. And so it wasn't unusual for Bob to find himself, as he did one day, tending to so much busyness that went along with serving a large, well-established church, Sitting at his desk, he tended to the many administrative duties that went along with serving this church, and preparation for worship was before him, and his status as pastor of this church, in addition to his long tenure as a pastor, meant that Bob also had responsibilities to his district and to the Virginia Conference, and a list of phone calls to be made, emails he had to send, all this work before him, it was easy for Bob to believe himself to be a man of great esteem and importance. So he wasn't prepared for an unannounced visitor that day. A gentle knock on his office door raised his eyes from the work spread before him on his desk. And there he saw standing in his doorway a gentleman whom Bob had seen before, and though Bob knew this man was, was not a member of his church, Bob had seen the man walking the streets around his church, uh, Church, again, in a setting much like ours. Well, the man meekly asked Bob if he could come in. and Bob honestly confesses that he grudgingly said, yes. Having sat down, the man asked Bob if he could ask Bob a question. And again, Bob confesses, he said to himself, I know what your question is, you you need money for gas, or you need help with your electric bill, or you need some place to stay the night, or you, you need some food. He didn't say that to the man, but that's what he was thinking. So as Bob prepared himself for what he was sure was going to be a request for some kind of assistance, the man asked his question. The question was this. Pastor, my wife and I have been wondering if it would be all right to come to church this Sunday. Bob couldn't remember a time when he had been more surprised. Also says he couldn't remember a time in which he had been more delighted. The question transformed his entire day, if it's not his entire week. Here was someone new about the faith. Here was someone wanting to be a part of his church. Here was someone wanting to, to embrace the new life witnessed to in that church. And here was someone expressing an interest become a disciple of Jesus. So Bob said all that impressive work before him didn't matter anymore. Big smile on his face, he got up from the desk, shook the man's hand, and enjoyed one of the best days of his ministry. He walked with his man into the church sanctuary and told him all about these beautiful symbols and images, all these things witnessing to our faith. Bob said, I told him about this, this big box I stand behind baptismal font, the cross, the altar candles, all this lovely imagery. It was all new. And Bob took great delight in sharing this with someone who wanted to become a disciple. All of this because Bob was able to put aside all the glorious work of being such an important pastor 
because he was able to, as a man whose life was defined by the church, to say no to that and to walk with one who may have never been in the church. Because at this point, he was able at least this once to deny himself and to serve another as a disciple of Jesus. It's not impossible. It can be done. We are able to live as disciples of Jesus. We stand as we sing. As we stand, I invite us to affirm our faith as we share the words from 1 Timothy number 889 in our hymnals. There is one God and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all to whom we testify. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and was manifested in the flesh vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory, great indeed is the mystery of the gospel. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
I invite our ushers to come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, all things come of thee, and of thine own do we give unto thee. You give us the gift of this day, the gift of all creation, this gift of worship, and you give us the opportunity to draw closer to you in worship and service by offering these gifts back to you with a prayer that in your care they accomplish great things for the gospel of Christ. Amen.
also want to thank Jan for, uh, for your solo. And, and just, uh, again, grateful to Michelle, your daughter-in-law, and Will, and Ben. Uh, it's really been a gift, too, to have grandfather and daughter-in-law and grandchildren sharing this time of worship. So thank you. We go to God as we pray, sharing in the prayers of the people a responsive time of prayer to which our choir has so beautifully led us. In this time of prayer, uh, we share responses and uh, various petitions of prayer. I will speak and conclude with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you to name any concerns or situations that you would like to lift to God as we pray. We go to God as we pray. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis and Janine Howard, the ministries of First Church, General Conference. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, hear our prayers gathered with the prayers of your saints, those who surround us even now, and to pray with us as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We stand as we
thank you for sharing and being a part of this time of worship, and I look forward to doing this again. Do extend your thanks to Ben and Will and to Michelle, as, if you will. And we go now in peace as light into this world as disciples of Christ, those who deny self, serve others, take up the cross, and follow in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.